Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am just one of the hosts of this show. My name is Alex. My name is Casey. I'm here to talk to you about trees. Hi, Casey. Hey, Alex. How you going? I'm going. That's pretty great. Pretty good. Oh, I thought you were done with your word or with your sentence. No, I'm doing fine. I had a good day. I spent the day with my nieces. As I told you when you, you arrived did. here. You uh, did. I just, I, every time I see you see a kid and hang out and talk about your nieces, you seem so happy. They I, seem like they must be delightful. I, I love them very much. I taught my, uh, my, my, my oldest niece is very much into like her Nintendo Switch mm-hmm. and games. And I'm that makes me very excited because yeah. I, as a child, I was very much into games, still am. And I got her like a beginner set for the Pokemon card game. And I, oh, yeah. we, I, we learned how to play today together, and she's she was brilliant. She picked it up immediately. Man, kids are like uh, like sponges. I know that's kind of a cliche. Yeah, but man, like there was, I think it was my one of my old coworkers. His his daughter drew him something, and she was like, "Here," and he's like, "I'm going to take it to work." She came into our office one time. She had not set foot more than two inches into that room. She's mm-hmm. like, where's my photo? Or where's my drawing? Whoa. It's like, she just, they just remember things. Like, yeah. It's like any, anything new just sticks with them. Their brain is so open. Yeah. You really just have to tell, I mean, like in some regards, you really just have to tell a kid something once and yeah. they just like lose into their brain. Yeah. It's beautiful. I'm so happy you did that. It's a beautiful day out right now. My God. It is. What did you, did you just work today? I did. I went to work. I uh, had a big training on pesticide use. Cool. Yeah. Real cool. It was nice. Although I'm always like, you know me, I like animals and things and Mm -hmm. bugs and such. And I just don't like pesticides. They have a place. That's reasonable. But man, I I just, this is my own bias. I don't care for golf. I know this probably comes as a surprise. Golf is not a game that I really prefer. I got kicked out of a golf club. uh, Sorry, a golf I, when I, I said gotcha. golf, thank yeah, you. Gotcha. A club that does golf yes. with golf clubs. <laughs> I didn't think that you got kicked out of a... <laughs> Me and my family grew up in a golf club. <laughs> You're like the borrowers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You grew up inside a hollowed out uh, wood I totally forgot iron. about that. I, I know yeah. so little about golf, I can't even tell you what... Well, 
Uh, Driver. In, regardless, we were there, and they're like they use pesticides to like keep their grass perfectly green. They use yeah. a ridiculous amount of water to keep it like all fancy. It's like you yeah. drive down to the desert, and you're just like driving, driving, driving. You look over, and there's this luscious green golf course in the middle of Arizona. You're like, what is that? Yeah. Anyway, I was doing these pesticides, and they're like, yeah, you know, this has a safety thing on it so that people don't. Uh, don't use it or ingest it. And the reason they don't inject, we don't want to ingest it is because it, it does this to your nervous system. It's why if you spray it on a wasp, you see it like convulse. And I'm just like, God, that's awful. Like, I just, I, I just don't like it. We use these chemicals. We don't want it to be used on us or dogs or animals. For sure. But we can totally just watch an insect convulse itself to death because its nervous system implodes on it. Sounds awful. Hmm. Anyway, it was great. I learned all about it. <laughs> Learn all about them. Yeah, isn't that weird? We have sort of a, I, I don't know, we have, I feel like animal lovers are usually like mammal lovers. Yeah, it's, what is it, charismatic megafauna? Polar yeah. Polar bears and yes. giraffes? Yeah, giraffes. Yeah. Giraves. 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 <laughs> Casey, we have a tree to talk about this week. Yes, Shocker. I didn't expect it. it. It comes every week. It does, and like uh, Santa, but more frequent. <laughs> if only Santa came every week. <laughs> I'd have so many new trikes. <laughs> you do get a trike every year, don't you? Uh, uh, Casey, this week we are talking about a Lebanese tree. Ooh, yes, that's true. And I'm sure people could guess just from that or the episode title. Probably. This week we're talking about the cedar of Lebanon. Lebanon. That is right. So we jumped on our camels. We hiked up through the Sahel, we went through the Sahara, mm. we got into our caravan, hit a couple of oases, and we found ourselves along the Syrian mountains. Usually we kind of decide together how we travel, but oh. you kind of took the reins on that one. I did, because we're on the camels, camel and you don't, you're not an animal person. Mm. Other, you know, what? Not a camel person is what I meant to think. You don't think I'm an animal person? You're not a camel person, are it's you? It's like a cornerstone of my personality. What the fuck true. are you talking about? I don't know. Do you even know me? I don't. What's your last name? Jesus Christ. Crom, Cr- Cromley? That hurts me, Casey. I'm sorry. I meant camel person. I'm a camel person. Why not? Yeah, I don't know. All I right. got eyes and a face. I can I can be empathetic. <laughs> Charismatic empathic megafauna. Yeah, how do you feel about the ants? I'm a little pissed off that you said I was an animal person. I'm I'm sorry. Take it personally. I know you are. I'm not going to let this go. Don't do it. Let it go. My face is warm. <laughs> I can see I'm upset. <laughs> All right. We hopped on our camels, which I hate apparently because I'm evil. <laughs> And we trekked over to Lebanon. Yes, Lebanon, Turkey, Syria, kind of that section of the Middle East, the Mediterranean. Okay, great. And it is a beautiful, beautiful area. You Have you been there? Um, No, I've never really been anywhere. Oh, uh, well, if you ever go there, take me with you, okay. because I also have never been there. And this is, uh, this is a tree. It's called the Cedar of Lebanon. Alex. You know how we've talked about cedar trees before? Like, what is a cedar? What is not a cedar? What is a fir? What is not a fir? Right. This mm-hmm. is a cedar. Full stop. No dash. It is a true cedar. Yes. This Is this our first true tree? No, I think like oaks are, I mean, it's true oak. Oh, There are sure. she-oaks, technically speaking. Oh, like, like the she-hulk. Uh, yes, exactly. Well, mm. I'm not going to say exactly, but I'm going to say yes. Okay. Similar. It. Yeah, I don't think so. I think maybe it's maybe when conifers, maybe 
All right, it doesn't really matter. Let's say yes, because we assert things here. Cedrus Labani? Yeah, that's it, Labani. Labani, where's yeah. Labani? Labani means of Lebanon. Oh, duh. Mm-hmm. Got it. And uh, so this is such a cool tree because there are only three or maybe four species of true cedars. Cedrus Labani, the mm-hmm. cedar of Lebanon. Cedrus Diodara, which is a Himalayan cedar or the Diodara cedar grows a little bit more in the east, nor- more towards the Himalayas. Then you have the Atlas cedar. Okay. But some people think that the Atlas cedar, Cedrus atlantica, is actually just a subspecies of Cedrus labani. Oh. Such a shame, isn't it? Okay, but it's not? I don't. It's, it depends on who you ask. You know the lumpers and splitters? Classic taxonomy. Lumpers and splitter. You said this a few times before, and every time you say it, I kind of just glaze over it, and we keep we continue. I can't believe I never described this to you. But today, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta say something. I, thank you for stopping. See me. something, say something. Now my face is getting red. Now I feel like I lumpers, should, I'm just glossing over lumpers and splitters. Is this yes. is this term is this dendrology terminology? Ah, it's taxonomy terminology. Okay, so uh, it's kind of like the lodgepole pine. I think I'm sure I brought it up there. So you have certain idea or certain taxonomists who name and classify trees and plants and things, and they would say uh, they would do like investigations into like is this uh, one kind of tree with several different subspecies or varieties, or are each one of those subspecies and varieties species in and of their own right? I'm so sorry. That went straight over my head. Oh, gosh. Okay. Basically, everyone would lump him into Cedrus Labanii variety, this variety, that variety, that. Or they would split them into Cedrus Atlantica, Cedrus Labani, Cedrus Brevifolia. When we're talking trees and talking splitting, I immediately thought like chopping firewood. Oh, yeah. No, this is is on paper. Okay, got it. In the annals of... Uh, the taxonomy textbooks. Fantastic. Yeah. I understand now. Lumpers, what are you? Are you a lumper? You're a splitter. You're clearly a splitter. I think I'm a splitter. I just, maybe it's just because I like memorizing scientific names. You're like a splitter, but with like, the the je ne sais quoi of a lumper. Exactly. Thank you so much. That's why I can hang out with both of them. I can sit on both sides of that table. Yeah, the cool yeah. kids and the dorks. <laughs> yeah, you lumpers and splitters. <laughs> okay, Casey, we are walking anyway. through, uh, we're riding our camels through a uh, Turkish forest, and we come across a bunch of cedar of Lebanon. Mm. Let's talk, what do they look like? Yep. Uh, leaves, bark, and shape. Yes. And... Let's, uh, cones, leaves, yeah. bark, shape, cones, the big four. That's perfect. Those are the big four. Yeah. All right. So this is how the tree grows. It is, uh, it's a tall, big conifer. It's huge. It is. And it can grow and live for over a thousand years. Like, uh, I think you, you found one last week when we were talking about doing this. It was over a thousand years old. Yes. So several of them can grow and live for a very long time. And they have this big straight trunk, just like most conifers or many conifers. Mm-hmm. And so that big, long, or that big, huge trunk will just slowly get bigger and bigger. So you can get these massive, huge diameter trees, right? It, it grows out. Yeah, you know, it just gets by I guess diameter. All trees grow out. Yeah, they do. Sorry, you're you never apologize to me, Alex. I'm in a weird day. You look so good over there in your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about your shirt earlier, and I just we said were. things great. Buck Meek. 
like, anyway. I liked that with zero context. <laughs> Looks so good in your shirt. If I could squeeze your cheeks right now. <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> uh, so, the, the uh, yeah, so you're walking through this forest, and you're actually, it's, a, it's another one of those sad situations where you used to be able to walk through the same kind of forest that we have here in the P&W, mm-hmm. where it's just these massive, huge forests of gigantic conifer trees everywhere you go. Now, there's maybe, I think one of the things I read that, I think it was, last updated maybe 2009 and maybe read in 2016, uh, it basically looks like there's maybe 20, 20 some percent of this forest type left in Lebanon. Wow. More in Turkey, but just still not a lot. Okay. And the reason for that is because they have these big, tall, straight trunks, just the way we use our pine trees and fir trees and things over here as like the industrial tree. It's what we build stuff with. Oh, it's it's uh, it's harvested. Exactly. Okay. And it has been for thousands upon thousands of years. Sure. And back, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, people weren't so concerned with like, well, let's make sure we don't destroy this forest resource. It kind of, for a little while it was, and then they're basically like, we're going to take over the world. We're the Romans. And then I they see. just took them all out. Well, we are going to talk about the uses of this tree yes. from a human perspective. But meanwhile. I would love to talk about what I think is the the my, my favorite part of a true cedar. Yeah. You know where I'm going with this. I don't know where you're going. There's two places I could go with this. The cone. Ah, yeah, the cone's great. All right. Let's enter the cone zone, Casey. The cone zone. Bum, 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 bum. It's like the Twilight Zone, but it's like that's really cool and creative, Alex. That was really good. Yeah, you even did it on pitch. Yeah, well, you know, singer songwriter can't turn it off, Casey. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, before you get to the cones, you got the leaves. So cedar trees—they're evergreen conifers. They're in the pine family, Pinaceae. They also, um, interestingly, split off. They look really similar in terms of the cone. They, their cone grows upright. That's yes. half the reason it's so exciting. So strange. They grow upright, but they also split off and they are dehiscent. So they mm-hmm. fall apart piece by piece, just like a true fur. Yes. They break off in, in scale by scale. Yeah. And the scales almost have kind of like a... Um, Kind of like a ginkgo leaf shape to them. Kind of fan shaped. You yes, mean? they're fan yeah. shaped. That and then point at the end. What you're left with is like what what looks a little bit like uh, you know like at a restaurant or like at a diner. They yeah. take the ticket behind the counter and they stab it onto that pointer thing. Yeah, it looks like that. Oh, you're talking about the axle of the cone yeah. axle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's the part. So you have the cone. It's growing upright from mm-hmm. the branch, which is another wacky thing that this tree does. It has these like four inch cones. Right. They grow up. And then they have that central axis, and that axis is what each one of the cone scales is attached to. Yes, you know? I love that. I see what you're talking about. I love that. And so, yes, you're exactly right. And then all the cone scales fall apart, and then you're left with that. Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. I have a I have a true cedar cone over here on my yeah, desk. Exactly. Has it you- is sapped shut. Like I had another one that exploded. <laughs> I love that. And this one's in a jar and it has so much sap on it that it's like glue. It's like petrified. <laughs> it's, it's like I can't glued move. Glued together. I love that they explode. I've had that happen one time where they two of them just exploded. They were sitting on a shelf mm-hmm. and we were just hanging out watching TV and also was like, Pah! and we're like, what was that? And we looked over and they literally popped themselves apart and like shattered all over the floor. Yeah, what a mess. Yeah, it was almost like they were like, I gotta breed! And they just threw themselves off the wow. ledge. Wow. It's pretty intense. Uh, you know, pretty intense. when things get desperate, you gotta go for it. That's sometimes. true. Yeah, you gotta go for it. Yeah. You're right. So they have those cool, like those central axis and then, um, which they're in the pine family as we've discussed and if you 
look at them, they're technically spirally arranged yeah. up that little bit. And if you imagine literally any other uh, cone, pine cone specifically, I should say, um, they will all have those spirally arranged cone scales. And so if you just go into, you get a sugar pine, you know, those big, long ones, and they're like a foot and a half, 18 inches long, they're wow. like six or eight inches wide. I just collected some this uh, this last weekend down in the Siskiyou's. I'll give you one. I got two. Great. It's on my list. It's yours. I'd, I'd love to. Actually, Thanks. I have two cones I'm going to give you. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Um, but they have, if you just went and clipped off each one of those cone scales, yeah. then you'd be left with that same central axis. Okay. Um, it's just, they're not, they not to hiss and they don't fall apart, but it's right. the same general makeup. You know, it's like putting, uh, you have the chassis of a Ford and the, you, you, you just put different body types on it and you get the Ford Focus and the Ford Ranger and the yeah. Ford other car. It's like, a, yeah, I'm glad you chose a car metaphor knowing me, Alex, yeah, the like, car guy. Exactly. <laughs> I've always thought of you as an auto man. Yeah, you know, I love to get my elbows <laughs> greasy. Or... That's right. That's exactly what you like to do. Um, I, I don't want to bury the lead here, Casey, but I simply adore cedar cones. Oh, they're so cool. They might be. What do you, what do you like about them? I, Tell me about you them. You know, to me, they look like soft serve. <laughs> Which what? is great because you know there's there's some there's First some off, we got to talk about what you like about soft serve but let's put a pin in that. What for do a I second. like about soft serve? What it's hard serve is so much better. I'm I'm my my stomach and mind are open for all kinds of ice cream experiences. All kinds of serves. Yes, I see. Um, but I I and I like that it, it's shaped like that because you know it's fun. It's a little wordplay. It's a cone. You know, ice cream cone. Mm, oh, uh, I uh, cedar cone. see. Oh. If you're really looking for something, you know, to to do. But I, I just love that they they look just like a little ball, and they're so like they're so like tight and compact. And then yeah. when they're not, they're like I don't think they're that attractive. <laughs> But when they're like together and they're just sitting upright on a tree, it looks so strange and funny. And, it totally does. You don't expect cool. cones to be sitting upright. No, and they like cover all the lower branches sometimes too. Yeah, it's it's really it's really uh, it's really absurd. But that's I like certain. I like the way they, they look like little alien eggs in the tree. Uh, that's such a good way to describe them. Thank I always you. call them barrels. I think they're barrel. Oh shaped. yes, absolutely. Yeah, did you ever play uh, um, uh, Donkey Kong? Oh, hundred percent. Love Donkey, Donkey Kong. Kong Country. <laughs> Probably. Okay. I don't know. I lost track of names. It's like Donkey Kong. Yeah, I'll play that one. That's this fine. this is different from the last one. What about needle structure? Uh, thank you. Bring us back. I started talking about video games, and you're like, Casey, stop talking about video games. No, this is my job tonight. Oh yeah, that's we true. are trying. We're on a little bit of a tight schedule for this episode. We are gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. This is no BS, Alex. You are just such a producer. I'm keeping us on as I go on a five minute rant about <laughs> okay. how I'm gonna keep us on time. <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay, needles case. Needles. All right, so this is really cool. Their twigs, uh, as they grow out, their shoots are dimorphic is the term. Whoa. Basically what that means is they have their shoots that grow out and make the the twigs and the branches a little bit longer, right? Oh, okay. But then they also have buds and shoots that are on little pegs and they don't really get any longer. Maybe slowly they'll like build up like millimeter by millimeter. Mm -hmm. But each one of those pegs has about 15 to 45 individual leaf buds and those create new needles every year. Wow. So evergreen needles, but look it up and you you can see what I'm talking about. They basically have needles that are bunched on these little pegs in uh, bundles. And I get they're not bundles in the same that like a true pine has like literal a wrap around three needles in a bundle. Right. They're all just coming out of these little peg shoots. 
You know, it looks quite Christmassy to me. It totally does. It, they have that same, like, that appearance, you know, like a normal conifer kind of appearance. Yeah. It, however, the one thing is um, they lose a really significant uh, attribute of conifers. Okay. As they get older, as they get bigger. So a classic conifer, like your old, your normal Christmas tree, spruces, Douglas firs, true firs, almost everything. Yeah. They have that central main uh, dominant leader with that dominant growing tip, right? And then they have those branches that come down. So they have like that classic child drawing a mm-hmm. tree, just a stick with a triangle over the top of it. Yep. It's called X current growth. Oh, so, wow. We talked about that in our first episode, yeah, Casey. I'm going to reminisce. Wow. <sighs> so... <clears throat> Yeah, so you have that X current growth form. Meanwhile, these trees, the cedar of Lebanon, as well as other true cedars, they, for whatever reason, have the ability and commonly have these uh, these new branches that are called reiterations, or rather their branches reiterate and just start growing straight up. Interesting. So you can see really old uh, examples of this tree, the cedar of Lebanon, where has a branch that kind of comes out and just curves up oh. and then creates like a whole other tree. So it looks yeah. like there's like several different trees, but you follow their stems. They all go whoop, right back down to the main stem. Is this kind of like the Doug fir that's out, out my, uh, it, yes, yeah. it is. But Doug firs generally don't do it. Your Doug fir lost its top at some point. Oh. So then those branches all started going up because okay. it was like, I'm worried I need to do something. So it loses that oxen, uh, chemical where the very tip bud, on a Douglas fir is releasing a hormone called auxin. And that basically says to all the other buds beneath it, don't grow up, grow out. And that's why you get that single shoot with all the things growing horizontal uh-huh. beneath it. You clip off or you top or you would otherwise, whatever happens, that top bud gets damaged. It no longer creates that, uh, that auxin train. So you no longer have the auxin saying grow out. Every other bud is going to be like, I'm going to grow up. So then, whing, the tree shoots up all these new growths that is growing straight up. Or the t- next year's growth, instead of it like new buds popping, you just get the buds that are already there. Instead of growing out, they just like aim straight up and start growing up. I got gotcha. you. So they do that. And that's because, you know, let's say you and I are trees competing. Your top bud gets knocked off. Mine does not. I'm going to grow up and have compete you any day of the week and you're going to die. Unless you can have backups in the wings take over your dominance in the area. You I know see. what I mean? So evolutionary totally makes sense. Okay. The cedar of Lebanon does not just, it just doesn't do that. It does it for a long time and it just, for whatever reason, some branches are just like, not me, but hmm. they don't grow directly up. They kind of grow out and then curve up. Yeah. And then they create like these, um, these really fun kind of pads. Like I, I don't know how to describe it, but if you look up the, um, uh, the Lebanese flag, the, the cedar of Lebanon is right in the center of their flag. Wow. And it shows this like attribute really well because it's kind of like one single tree, but like a really flat, wide triangle because it has these little iterations and all these branches kind of come up and kind of create their own little like, you know, imagine like someone holding up a bunch of trays of food. Yeah, man. But like, a, you know, an octopus holding up like 16 yeah, they're just like little tables yeah. of and like kind of kind of uh you know speaking of Donkey Kong, uh-huh. it's a bit to me when I see it, it looks a bit like um like a cla- like the a class the cl- oh platform game platform like yes. classic platforming. It's exactly what it is. Um yeah, just like a table here and then like a table across from it, but da-da, then one in da-da. between above. Yes, and, yeah, and kind of staggered like bricks in a wall. Mm. 
it's yeah, that's the aesthetic exactly. Yeah, it's fantastic. There's such beautiful trees, it, complex canopies. Yes, absolutely. Com- uh, it's capaciousness is complex. Oh, well done. <laughs> and uh, yeah. hold on, take a drink of water. Oh my god. <laughs> um, and I also I love that it, it kind of to me it sort of looks like a it, like a cani- coniferous. Yeah. What, what am I saying? Is oh, that right? Yeah, it's right. A coniferous oak tree. That is a great description of it's it. It's like an oak tree, but with needles mm, and cones. Beautiful. I've, that's a that your aesthetic, Alex. How you see things mm. constantly impresses me. Wow, thanks, Casey. Oh, thank you. And ditto. So that's what's really cool. That's how, that's as you're walking through this forest. That's what you're going to see specifically. There's such gorgeous trees, and they get huge, and they do this over a couple hundred years, and you just get these really fascinating, gorgeous, huge forests. Well, Casey, I'm extremely excited to learn more about. The Cedar of Lebanon. You're gonna. However, we need to take a quick break. Let's get it done. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking about the Cedar of Lebanon. More specifically, I know that we're going to be talking a bit about uses of yeah. the wood, which is something that a lot of people request to hear more about kind of That's generally. True, yeah. So we're focusing an entire episode on it, which I think is pretty groovy, baby. I think it's pretty all right. Well, it's a good uh, it's a good point. So you are right, and so is everyone else. We generally, I generally, I find trees to be fascinating in and of themselves. What? I'm not, you do? I, I know, it, it's something that's subtle about my personality. You know, something about Casey is that he actually hates trees. Yeah, this is like yeah. you calling me a not an animal <laughs> yeah. lover, you son of a- I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to forgive you for that. I know. And I see it in your eyes. I can feel it. I no, want to get out of here. You know what? I forgive you. <gasps> Alex. Alex 3.0. Thank you. You've ascended. <laughs> okay. I'm never going to make that mistake again. Please continue. Anyway, have you ever read the Epic of Gilgamesh? Wow. No, but I've I've heard plenty about it. I also wow. know that maybe like the Smurf villain's cat is called Gilgamesh or something. Oh yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Or is it the villain himself? I can never, Ooh. I've never watched that show. I just know it from kind of a secondhand pop culture. I also don't really know about that. Well, let's not look it up and All let's continue right. to talk about the tree <laughs> itself. The Epic of Gilgamesh is a Mesopotamian. Uh, it's like 
commonly known as the first religious text, but also the first uh, like literature ever written down, at least from Mesopotamia. Okay. And it's kind of like those other oral traditions like um, uh, Beowulf. Mm -hmm. The Iliad. The Iliad, exactly. Like they're probably for thousands of years just um, oral tradition, and then some person wrote them down at some point. For sure, okay. Tapped them into a tablet. Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. It's one of the famous. There's a brewing company called Gilgamesh Brewing. Highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. Um, So this tree was mentioned, I think, like several hundred times or several times at least in the Epic of Gilgamesh. Okay. uh, Because allegedly he had made his city out of it. Mm. And then, um, in fact, actually, from what I was reading, they said that he actually gotten a... Uh, there was like a god, some god, I, can't, I think it was a Mesopotamian god, was like, you may not cut these trees down. Hmm. And so then Gilgamesh was like, yeah, we're going to go cut those trees down. And ended up getting in this huge battle with a demigod, and then they ended up losing the demi- demigod and the gods. And then the gods were like, you shouldn't do this, we're not going to allow you to do it, because you're going to destroy the forest. And guess what Gilgamesh and all of the humans coming after him did? He cut down the forest. We cut it down and we lost it, just the way the gods thought way to go gilgi yeah but don't blame gilgi because everyone did it afterwards too oh. um king solomon allegedly built his temple out of the cedar of lebanon now when i'm building a precious space yeah i'm probably not like hey let me build this out of something that burns really easily oh that's true right well but i'm not saying i'm smarter than king solomon yeah that's fair i'm not not saying that i guess you know let's just say you're neutral on king solomon's choice of building product yeah no comment (laughs) no comment that's a good point yeah yeah but by not commenting we know you're commenting yeah well that yeah i go no comment i roll my eyes (laughs) well like a like a passive aggressive parent (laughs) that's your passive aggressive historian (laughs) well it it, it, the reason that he probably did it is because you can get sandstone anywhere dime a dozen in jerusalem you can go get it right now however if you wanted to build a fancy thing it's precious you'd have to go get something fancy i see i see i see exactly so way back when the cedar um like i said earlier it was used and it was a usable thing so they would actually uh make it into the stuff they would use and the the usability of this tree's wood was important for two reasons. One, it was very like straight. It was like a good straight timber rather than an oak or um, another kind of tree that is like an olive, like something that had a different kind of meaning, a different uh, place in the culture. Olives, figs, these kinds of trees you would use because they made food. And you wouldn't necessarily have a tree that was like growing everywhere all the time. There was this really straight, strong wood didn't decay it had properties that helped keep moths away mm. so you would build like have you heard of like hope chests and things like this or cedar box cedar chests like a like a yeah yeah definitely well, i think they, i think the chest that led to narnia was probably made of cedar that's probably true wait that was uh the wardrobe i was gonna say that was uh but what a is chest. a wardrobe but a tall chest that's a fine point with doors that open outwards rather than up that's right all right touche thank Credit. you so they would, they would do that, exactly, because it would help keep moths off of your woolens and things. For sure, okay. So what they ended up doing, of course, is making uh, all the, it was a very fancy, very aromatic wood. It's commonly known right now about like, oh, go get cedar, it smells really good. Yeah. The irony is the cedar that we talk about now is mostly not even a true cedar. 
we don't harvest them in Oregon. We just grow them as landscape trees. Oh. But he's like, oh, this is cedar wood. It's cedar shingles. We are talking about the western red cedar. Or wow. the uh, eastern red cedar or mm. some other thing entirely. Northern white? Northern white, probably. We call it a cedar. Okay. The, uh, the incense cedar. All of these trees we just named are actually in a completely different family. Those are in the Cupressaceae, the cypress, cypress family. Cypress, yes, the Arborvita. Exactly. Yeah. Not even closely related in like a, uh, a short-term sense. Like it's in a completely different family. Wow, entirely. you know what's wild? What? You just went on like a three-minute rant. And I, I knew everything you were talking about. What? Did you do, 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 Alex? I, underst- I understood all of it. <laughs> oh, four now? Well, yeah, you clearly just ascended. This is wow. you're just building up. We're I, okay, 3.0.1. Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah. Per- <laughs> well, it, you're exactly right. And now, I mean, you're, you're, you're picking up. You're just like those kids we were talking about. That's it, right. Every single thing I say just sticks in your brain. Thank you. Yeah, compliment or insult. <laughs> just like a kid. <laughs> But yeah, so now we refer to cedar as a thing that smells good. It has antifungal properties yeah. and it like has these like it helps keep bugs away and things like this. Completely different kind of tree like in every way. We don't harvest deodar cedars? No, we don't. In fact, over in Lebanon, they are a sacred tree. Obviously, oh, they're on the flag. They're protected because they have such a small amount left. Yeah. And so we would we've been using these trees for hundreds of years but of course way back in you know thousands of years ago it took a lot of effort to fall a tree this size for sure i yeah, can imagine yeah, you, they, they just didn't have chainsaws right yeah so you're, you're hacking at that you're you're going back and forth for hours getting yeah. that thing down and you have to go up to like four thousand or some feet in elevation Jesus. up in the mountains of lebanon and turkey and you have to then harvest the tree get them down yeah have them cut into the lengths that are the right yeah size. then you got to process the thing exactly and this is all done by hand tools by human power that's wild so when you want to get something that's big and fancy you get these huge big cedar timbers they're gorgeous okay so it's also a lot easier to build like a, a gigantic thing that's 80 feet tall i don't know how big the temple of jerusalem was at the time but in order to have a big tall thing you'd need one big long structure yeah. you know you could pile up a bunch of bricks and you can make columns like that. Right. Or you can just use one single tree that's carved. Oh, so when you look at a when you look at a wooden temple and yeah. it's like hugely tall, you got to go like, "Wow, that's impressive because I know that came from a single tree." Exactly. What fine craftsmanship. Exactly. And then you're like, "I'm going to Jerusalem and I will honor King Solomon." They have this just like all these properties. They also uh, have the same things that you get in pine. So you can like use the resin to help seal boats. Oh, great. And cut down those trees. It's also wood, so of course it grows. It doesn't decay because it's super decay resistant. So the Phoenicians of... Uh, the Phoenicians. Oh my God, it's not Phoenix. I, someone made a joke about that and it always sticks in my head. They're a seafaring peoples. They used to be. Okay. And they were from the Middle Mediterranean. Okay. And they were historically known as the people who started the very first sea trade. Oh, cool. Going across the Mediterranean. These facetious... Oh, God. I can't even say anymore. It's okay. Phoenicians. Phoenicians, not facetians? Yes, Phoenicians. Ah, Phoenicia. It was an ancient Semitic-speaking theocratic civilization that originated in the Levant. Cool. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, uh, the Phoenicians were a seafaring people, and they were known as the first people to use, like, to really become like a sea power. But they weren't like military; they were just merchants most of the time. Mm. 
So they would just trade with all these other different places around. They built their fleet of boats from this wood, from cool. the cedar. Uh, allegedly, we don't know about the translation, the ark, uh, Noah's ark, was built of cedar. We don't know. It's called like gopher wood, and there's like a bunch of different translations. Oh. But if you look back in the etymology, it could be that. However, we can't really prove that that ever existed as a technical thing, right? You know, it's kind of bumming me out. Uh, learning about all these civilizations just hacking the shit out of cedar cedar exactly. forests and to so, build b- machines of war and mm, trade. Yeah. And, you know, temples, that was, I guess, not necessarily for either of those. But, you know, it's... To, it's related. It's related. Uh, yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. They're so such beautiful trees. They're such gorgeous trees. And so they would end up just, you know, they were extremely useful. And so, like you were saying earlier... Uh, we usually on this podcast talk about something that's very specifically nature related, not necessarily the secondary product that comes from that, which yeah. would be the wood or the material. Um, and a lot of people are like, Casey, does that make, make you upset logging or something? And I'm like, it does, but not because it's bad in and of itself. It, uh, using a tree as a resource to build something is, it's a good idea. Yeah. I like using wood for just about everything I can possibly do for a hundred different reasons. I just think it looks nice. I think it smells nice. It has a better like aesthetic, you know, rather than cement. It's also great. Yeah. It's carbon. You know, it will, if you build a house of wood, it's probably better than building a house of cement. Mm -hmm. Feels better. Uh, It would be theoretically, if you can like leave the wood exposed, it's so much more beautiful. Yeah. It's from it's part of the natural world. Yeah, and they grow back. Like it's absolutely yeah. true. And I don't we're not here to have a conversation about wood products industry because it's messed up for sure. Mm-hmm. We've basically made it into an industry. Back then, it was a resource just the same as anything else. Like they weren't necessarily destroying the ecosystem and they didn't know even if they were. So you kind of got to give them the benefit of the doubt. You can't give us the benefit of the doubt now. Yeah, we, we know better. Yeah, we know better, yet we still do it in the way that just makes us the most money. I see. Okay. So back then, it was a really, like, you had to work for it. You couldn't just go, well, let's just go cut down a cedar tree. It was like, okay, we're going to go do this. It takes a village to get this whole cedar tree. They would use it for a bunch of different things. It was, it was a much more revered thing. Slowly but surely, though, just like everything, everyone wants to build this glorious grand temple. Now the bar is set here. Everyone's got to get that wood. The Phoenicians have the best fleet. What did they use? Oh, that? Let's go cut down our version of those, and let's let's make our big best fleet. Mm. So on and so forth, until almost all of them were gone. And we ended up getting, um, there's one grove that is still left that, people have seen and gone to because it was more or less protected by um, like a a ancient Christian monastery Hmm. and other like just kind of an area that was very revered and it's called the Cedars of God in Lebanon. Interesting. Isn't that such a cool like name? Yeah. Where are you going? I'm going to go to the Cedars of God. It certainly sounds like a national monument. Yeah. And I believe it is for um, the, for at least these people, certainly Lebanon, like I said, it is one of their um, uh, like, revered spaces because this tree represents their culture to such a a, a deep extent wow i'm looking at pictures of it right now aren't those trees insane pretty incredible you you see this one and it's like oh that's a fair sized tree and then i saw the human first scale (laughs) next to it i'm like oh shit 
That thing's big. It's huge. All these trees are just super gorgeous. It's basically the equivalent of an old growth cedar forest. Wow. And there are records from people going all the way back to like the 1500s seeing this tree and counting like 28. And then like maybe 50 years later, someone else comes back and they counted 23. And then someone another came back and counted oh, 20. no. Yeah. So they were slowly, they were not getting cut down. Most likely they're probably falling from whatever happens. Oh, wow. But you just get like, I mean, because they're way up in the mountains, like, you know, covered in snow most time or most of the year. Is it like they, they don't, I mean, trees fucking breed. Are, yeah. are they not getting it on? Oh, I'm sure they totally are, but they were probably only counting the big ones. They like, just take forever to grow. Yeah, so they're exactly. like a bunch of little tiny saplings. And, yeah. Okay. And no one would count every single, you know, foot tall sapling as a tree, most yeah. likely, but who okay. knows? I got you. So it's this really cool old grove that they've kept and slowly but surely, you know, it's rebounding a little bit, but it was protected and like legend has it that Hadrian, um, the emperor in, of Rome, Mm-hmm. Like built a wall. He's famous for his walls. And he ended up building a wall around some of it and said, this is my imperial forest. No one can cut it down. So he protected some of them. And then later, Queen Victoria, I think, well, Queen Victoria? One of them queens of England did the same thing. Okay. And then in World War One, they just decimated the forest because they wanted or needed to build railroad ties. Oh, so the good. British cut down a bunch of like you know, what they maybe at the time didn't quite know was not quite a threatened or extinct or like, you know, a species of tree that you can't really, you know, the habitat loss is incredible. They just removed a bunch to make them into railroads to, you know, build stuff. So uh, maybe you're right. Maybe it is like, yeah, we hate that you're just cutting these trees down for war machines. At least Hadrian was like, I mean, that's like such misguided philanthropy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm going to build a, re- a wall to protect these trees. Oh, that's great because they're mine. Oh, well, you can't really fight against it because it's like, well, at least he's protecting the trees. Yeah, exactly. So us from our, our like historical fly on the wall, we're yeah. like, well, okay. Everything changes over time. Exactly. Perspectively. So- but they, that's exactly true. So, um, yeah, so these trees are been, have been anciently used for all these different things. We have bastardized the term cedar to be a thousand other different trees, especially here in the United States, where cedrus, like that's what the Romans called it. That's why it's the Latin term for it. Yeah. So they would call, oh, this is cedrus. And then that comes back over here and we're like, oh, this, this wood smells like a cedar. So they would call it a cedar. And we did that for a bunch of different trees, trees that are technically junipers, false cedars that are technically just completely unrelated to everything and like our trees that are from Australia or something. It's like, why, why are we even, yeah. can we just use a different name? False cedars getting, uh, getting uh, you know, rep for being cedars is a little bit of stolen valor and I'm, I, think I don't so. like it. Yeah, I think other trees deserve their own name. Yeah. And I happen to know that they have their own names, we just don't use them, whatever. The cedar of Lebanon is famous, and it's one of the only trees. I don't know if you've noticed this, but mm. this entire podcast, we have been saying the cedar of Lebanon. Yes. We have not said the Lebanese cedar. Yeah. And that is because way back when, when people were describing this tree, it was so famous specifically in Lebanon that it would be saying like, oh, we're going to go get the wines of France. We're going to go get the thing of this place mm-hmm. because- that tree in Lebanon itself was known because uh, of their mountains. They had the cedars. Like they were the place 
of the cedar trees. Interesting. Yeah, so we call it the cedar of Lebanon, even though we would call the one that grows like super similar species over in the Himalayas, we call that the Himalayan cedar. We don't say it's the cedar of the Himalayas. Yeah, it's not the it's not the it's not the it's not the uh, hornbeam of Europe. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so it's kind of a funny like way that um, this tree has become a obviously a national identity for the people and the you know the culture of Lebanon, but also it has become a um, like even the name that we call it in English is most of the time twisted specifically to way we've called it since Roman times when they'd say, well, we're going to go get the cedar of Lebanon because that's the best cedar. Mm-hmm. They have the best cedars in Lebanon. Fascinating. Yeah, it's a very curious tree in that regard. And of course, it's also just stunningly beautiful. It's a botanic specimen, not anywhere closely related to the um, the true firs, which are the true firs also have those cones that grow upright. Yeah. But on a uh, historical, like where did these two species of trees split off from each other? They're like really vastly not related. Obviously, they're all in the pine family, so they're as closely related as you could be, but they're also on other sides of the spectrum. So the cedars split off from all the rest of the pines and the hemlocks and all the other things way, way long ago. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, we don't really know, uh, like they're closely related, but they're, they just look similar superficially. Casey, to wrap up our discussion of the cedar of Lebanon, um, I have a potentially dumb question, uh-oh. and it's a certainly underwhelming question. It's not climactic <laughs> in any way, but I've been thinking about it for like twenty minutes. All right. Uh, so the the I as as I mentioned earlier, I have a jar in my kitchen yeah, that has a true what we thought was maybe a DDR cedar. Yeah, I think cone so. In it, a true cedar cone, and it's congealed with sap and the sap is dried so it's like glued shut yeah that sap Mm -hmm. is that the same sap that you would find if you drilled into the cedar yes now i guess my if that is a yes then my my follow-up is like why because that that tree over there Uh that i got that cone from all of the cones were like they look like birds had shit all over them they were white with oh yeah yeah why would why would a tree put sap on its own cones if the idea of the cone is to expand and release seeds? Yeah, that's a very good question. Why would it want to shut its cones closed? Yeah. And, and maybe that's the wrong characterization, but, you know. Yeah, it's a good question, though. Well, I could say there are some cones, the term would be serotonous, but those are fire-adapted species where the sap, yeah. like, glues it shut so that the seeds don't escape and birds and things cannot get into it until a fire comes and heats it up so much yeah it's where it comes okay okay so that could be but i do not believe that the cedars of lebanon or the diodar any other kind of cedar Mm -hmm. true cedar um is fire adapted in that same way okay so i don't really have a good answer for that That that's not a stupid question that's a good question okay i have two ideas though one would be it just happens you know maybe you just happen to have some glands that didn't evolve away and they just kind of put out little bits of sap okay it could also be that it's trying to keep the cone together so it doesn't fall apart too early i see so it's just growing up and it's getting big and that sap kind of covers it maybe it's a little bit of a deterrent for anything else to get in there like just a little too sticky insects like nah, i'm i don't think i'm gonna drill into that Mm -hmm. other things just don't want to get involved but then 
it's not so much and the physical drying of the tissue on the inside is still enough that it can just crack everything open. I see. So it might just be able to work uh, that it, it can kind of take care of itself. It's not enough to inhibit the cone breaking, but it's enough to inhibit it from breaking too early and maybe having other insects or something get into it. Hey, that works I'm not for sure. me. Yeah. I like that answer. That's just a guess, to be honest. I mean, it's I think it's a pretty educated guess. Hopefully. An educated theory. Yeah, let's, let's call it that. Casey, let's move on to our review. I of think we should. The what? I said, I think we should. Oh, God. I didn't mean to spook you. I thought you said, no shit. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? What, <laughs> what else is there? <laughs> uh, our review of the Cedar of Lebanon. If you're joining us for the first time, or even if you're not, here's how we do it. Every tree, every week, rather, we talk about a tree, and then we give it a rating from zero to 10 golden cones of honor. This season, honor is spelled O N O N. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Honor. H-O-N-O-U-R. And Casey, as our resident expert, I feel bad because I'm, I'm trying to get better as a podcaster and as sure. like a p- vocal personality. Yeah. I feel like I was doing so well there. And then I tried to spell something and I <laughs> fucked it up. I thought you're still doing well. And I got extremely self-conscious. And here we are, me explaining away the thing that happened. I think it's beautiful. <sighs> I appreciate how uh, how self-aware you are. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's part of my brand. To, mm-hmm. And then it really turns some people off. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We don't eat food on the podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh, shit. Well, wait until season four. Uh, <laughs> Only like trees that make food. Yep. Uh, Casey is our resident expert. We will begin with you. All right. Okay. So historically, this has always been one of my top favorite trees. Wow. I just think they're so beautiful. And I love that like layered appearance that we talked about where there is just like little plates and like that uh, platformy kind of atmosphere. I also, um, as uh, as I'm learning more and more about all these other trees and kind of diving into a little bit of culture um, and history of certain things, um, it makes me realize that, yeah, there's indigenous cultures all over the planet. It just so happens like certain cultures have completely overrun all these other indigenous cultures. Mm-hmm. However, if you draw time back long enough, even that was in and of itself an indigenous culture that for whatever reason has done whatever it's done. So when looking back into like the Middle East, which is a part that uh, of the world that I just have a huge fascination for, it like it's where civilization as we know it started. Mm-hmm. And if that was a beautiful thing, I'm not saying that it was. In fact, I don't. I want to say exact opposite most of the time. Um, but when you see like these the civilization on a, a scale, and you see all these individual people start to come together and interact, and you know you watch that sort of saga of you know life uh, in terms of the cultures of this area kind of come together. It's a lot of history about it. A lot of interesting things have happened. I just find it fascinating. And this tree has been an intense part of that entire culture for years. The Epic of Gilgamesh wrote about these trees. They're mentioned in the Bible a whole bunch. They're mentioned in the Quran. They are the flag of this, you know, extremely old and storied people that have been there for a long, 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 long time. They also have been used by the Babylonians, by King David, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Nebuchadrezzar, the Syrians. Everyone in this area has revered these trees. On you know, by revering them, they cut them down to turn them into stuff. So it's kind of like okay, maybe a little bit of misguided reverence. Yeah. Um, at least as we would look at it now, like wow, that's the oldest tree in the world. Let's cut it down and put it in our house. It's like oh, don't do that. 
Um, but I think they're also like, they have this really cool aspect of, of these things and they, they were in some regard instrumental in different things about how our culture today is because you can kind of trace a bunch of it back to then and how that culture has developed. And it's one of the oldest, uh, like I said, most storied cultures, the Middle East of anywhere on this planet. Uh, of which there are many, but that's just one of them. And so, all that said, I think this tree is a delight. Mm. Arboriculturally speaking, sometimes it does some crazy stuff. It, its branches will just break off for no reason. Mm. It doesn't really decay. So you're like, well, it's not decayed. There's just, it's just kind of like, it's, it's almost like you have your shoulders and your, your, your shoulders and your arms kind of grow up to become new heads. And then one of your arms is just like, I'm out of here. Interesting. And just falls off for no good reason. I don't know why. Huh. It kind of makes everyone be like, mm, maybe that's not the greatest tree. Weight? Or... I, yeah, probably ends up being weight and then it just gets ripped apart from big okay. wind or something. All those factors put together. And it's so oddly shaped too. Maybe exactly. It, just, it grows something. It's like, oh wait, I can't support that yeah. shit. And, and the way it works is you have like the leverage on the top would work way harder on the top than it does yeah, on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some, we could, we could get into tree of biomechan- biomechanics and I'd talk prefer about we didn't. Oh, we'll save it for another time. <laughs> um, so I just think these trees are really cool. I love that their needles come out in those funny little ways. I love that their cones pop up and their bark. Oh my God. We barely even talked about their bark. I don't think we talked about it at all. It has like these lovely little like squares almost like it breaks apart horizontally and vertically into like little squares mm. and it just checkerboards the entire thing all the way up. That's cool. Especially on the bigger trees. And that's just one of the most telltale, beautiful things that I, I just love about them. Um, so, I'm going to give this tree a 9.1. Wow. 9.1 for the Cedar of Lebanon. That's incredible. You, it's also a conifer. I mean, come on. I think you've only given nine plus to uh, two trees. You're serious. The Don Redwood and, uh, and this, the Cedar of Lebanon. What about the Douglas fir? I can't remember. Neither do I. Someone tell us. Eight, seven or something? I Yeah. Hmm. Um, great. Anyway, 9.1 9. Golden 1 Cones of Honor for the C C's o of H. H. Yeah. For the Cedar of Lebanon from Casey Clark. I also can't spell things out. It's hard <laughs> when you try to do it off the top of your head into a microphone. Yeah. Uh, great. Um, I'm going to cruise through my review. Yeah. What do you think? I think it's a great tree. I love a tree that is culturally important. Mm-hmm. I love a tree that, uh, you know, is useful in some way. Yes. I obviously don't love the idea of chopping all these beautiful trees down to make things, but. I don't know. It's uh, you got to sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Got to crack a few eggs to make a Solomon's temple. Yes, that old chestnut. No, no. I love the cedar. cones. It's a cedar. Casey, I love the cones. I love that they are dehiscent. I think that's a lot of fun. When I first found out about dehiscent cones, it kind of like blew my mind. I was like, oh sh! I, I, it was like a concept that I never even thought of. They they look great. The cones alone get a six six golden cones for mm, me. Nice. Uh, and then to, to top it all off, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna come in a little low. Why? I don't know. I'm, oh. not, I'm not feeling that passionate today. This oh. is me. This is my review. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. No. From right. my perspective, seven point three. I, okay. All right. Yeah. That's uh. Seven, seven, uh you, you stick with it. No, no. Don't. don't seven point one. We don't need. Any, oh, you're lowering it even further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Seven point one. All right. What lost those six, last point two? Six point seven. <laughs> Uh, 5.4. Hey, you know what? This tree's a 2.0. You know, I can, uh, you know what? I hate this tree. Zero. Uh, I'll land, I'll land at 7.1. 7.1. 7. 1. 7. 1. All right. Cones of honor. I think 7.1's a pretty good, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah it's not you know, bad. Yeah. It, it gets a lot of sap on your hands. Yeah. I don't really care about that. I just don't feel all that good about the trees today. Hey, oh gosh. 
That's fine. Listen, I am half of this podcast. I can give the cones I want to give. My cones are my own. Your cones are your own, Alex. I don't want to hear no lip. Everyone else, your cones are your own too. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Not even me. That's right. That was our review of the Cedar of Lebanon. Casey, let's move on to a game. A game? That I haven't really told you about. Cedar. I I don't... I. I was expecting you were going to keep talking. Are you, what room did I have? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, what is this game? This game I stole directly from Doughboys. <laughs> Thank you, Mike and Nick. This game, so in Doughboys, it's called Let Me Be Frank, and they Google hot dogs and talk about news in hot dogs. <laughs> Casey, today... We are going to be playing This Week in Trees, where I Google the word trees, and we're going to talk about some of the headlines that pop up. Oh, my God. Did you do Google News search, or you just literally... I'm going to to search tree news. Okay. So, I think this is going to be our best segment ever. I am so excited. Ready? Yes. Here we go. Tree news, enter. And... The very first top story we have. Okay. Trouble. It's from OregonLive.com. Troubled tree cutting program had quotas, no clear standards. Whistleblowers tell Oregon lawmakers. Oh my God. Is that interesting at all? That is quite interesting. Okay. I'm opening it up. Okay. And there's a paywall. Ah. Let's try a different one, Casey. Okay. Hold on. I think I can, I think I know what that is. Does it say anything about the organization? Uh, uh, no. Ooh. Well, I can't see because it's a paywall. Oh, dang it. All right. This is going good. However, I will comment while you still look. I believe what that's talking about is basically they were a tree cutting program. Maybe it was for, you know, an actual like timber sale or something like uh, some of our state forests. They have to have... Um, X amount of money because the state forest is literally growing there to support the schools in those counties or something. And so it's really nice in that they are using their resources to support their schools and fund things. Um, but they also have regulations keeping them down from, you know, cutting too much. It's like, yeah, okay, we're going to cut a thousand trees today so that we can buy really nice stuff. It's kind of like, okay, well, let's just, let's not push it too far in either direction. Okay. So it sounds like if they have quotas, then they're just like trying to cut all the time as much no matter what the need is. Yeah. And a whistleblower usually would say, hey, you guys aren't regulating this. Quotas. Uh, just hmm. guessing. Reminds me of another department that needs some work. <sighs> You're telling me. Whistle. Uh, what department? I'm talking about cops. <laughs> oh, I. Dang it. I. You're right. This next story. Tree service to give away 500 trees in Hadley Ludlow. This is from oh, Ludlow, Mass. Oh, yeah. Hadley. Bartlett tree experts in yeah. Northampton uh-huh. will be giving away 500 free trees Friday morning for Arbor Day. Look at that. Alex, oh my God. We never even talked about it. And here we are at the end of the month. This is Arbor Month. That's right. We screwed we up so bad. We passed Arbor Day, the most holy day of the year. We missed Earth Day, Casey. I, I didn't. I, I celebrated it by saying, happy Earth Day. Well, how about getting on the Arbitrary Pod Instagram and doing some legwork for me? Hey. A guy who doesn't know it's Earth Day. I barely even knew it was Earth Day until <laughs> someone was like, I think it was my friend Max, who was like, hey, man, happy happy Earth Day. But you're Casey, the Earth guy. No. Shucks. When it's... Uh, when you put your powers together, Earth. <laughs> I'm Earth. When it's like folk music day, I'll, I'll, I'll do something <laughs> special. Okay, sounds good. It says, the tree service gave away 500 trees last year during the COVID-19 pandemic to uh-huh. give families something to do during trying times. Well, that's nice. It doesn't really feel like a news story. It's yeah. just like a nice thing that happened. Well, I would prefer those news stories rather than covering all the awful things all the time. 
Well, I'd, I'd probably agree with yeah. you. Well, I, uh, I actually, I did live, um, that's where I lived when I lived in Massachusetts, was in Northampton. I wow. consistently rode through um, uh, Hadley because it was the town in between Northampton and Amherst. And Bartlett Tree Experts is like a multinational huge company uh, that does a lot of tree things. They're over here, they're over there, they're everywhere. Good for them. Yeah, they're not bad. And you know what? Planting trees is always a pretty good thing. And uh, Massachusetts, actually, western Massachusetts, where that area is, has a lot of trees. So it's really nice to have uh, people be planting more because, you know, more trees is usually better. Yeah, that's fantastic. Hey, Casey. What do we got? This San Jose neighborhood is in danger of losing its shade trees. Another fucking paywall. Uh, I, I didn't can, think about this. That's okay. Well, so here's the thing with I that, up though. so bad. You're doing so great, Alex. No, I'm not. Well, see, here's the thing. All you got to do is just read the headline, and I can be like, I'll talk about that for a half hour. Well, we, we don't want that exactly. Yeah, that's true. Harrison Street neighbors are concerned the city is acting too quickly to remove more than a dozen camper trees. Oh, camphor, yeah. Camphor trees. Mm-hmm. Because of damage to the dot, 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 Oh, probably sidewalk or something else, or the road. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, so here's the thing. You, you have street trees, right? Uh, street trees have a bunch of incredible benefits, but they're not benefits that you can literally put on a ledger and say, this is positive. Yeah. You know, the the smaller amount of money you pay in uh, shade, the happier you are because there's some shade on your street. You're not just sitting there in the sun. Yes. A we, little we bit actually, less harm. We actually talked extensively about yes. shade in our European Hornbeam we episode. We did, yeah. We talked about the uh, city... Um, Give me a moment. Yes. The heat urban effect. The urban heat island the effect. The urban heat island yes, effect. Yes, you got it. Yeah. So it's exactly the same thing. And so a lot of times they would just look and be like, yeah, this entire sidewalk is getting you know broken up because we insisted, um, for better or worse, in designing our roads with a roadway, a curb, a planter strip, a sidewalk. Okay, that's fine. But we plant big trees like the camphor trees, a huge tree, especially down there. You plant it in that little like three or two foot section between the sidewalk and the curb, and then the tree is just going to inevitably put roots out, and underneath the curb, it's going to blast open yeah. that sidewalk. And then people who are walking by, especially if they're people who have lesser mobility than just normal, not normal, that's not the word, I immediately regret saying that, um, then just anyone who's walking and is more able, that yes. that's a problem. You know, yeah. you have to be able to have a, a city that works for everybody. That's right. So that makes perfect sense that you need to repair the sidewalks, but they constantly look at these trees as like this maintenance issue, which means they get that ledger sheet on the negative side. Tree equals more money that I I have to spend. And they don't take into consideration all the good things. And they just like, no, 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 it's not worth it. We're going to cut these trees down. We're going to plant new trees. It's okay. New trees. And I just want to punch everyone who says that because it's like a new tree is a little tiny tree that's going to take 80 years to get as big as that camphor tree is right now. Everyone who's on this street is going to live, grow, and die before those trees are doing the same thing that the exact trees are there that are there now are doing. Yeah. I'm getting fired up. I can tell. I just think it's a dumb idea. Not to mention, have we gone to the moon, Alex? Yeah, we have. have well, we, well, okay. Have we allegedly gone to the moon? <laughs> we, we've built these massive big dams. We have built skyscrapers that mm-hmm. can literally touch like the flight of an airplane. We yes. build airplanes. We have engineered some amazing stuff. But, but we can't figure out how to build a sidewalk over routes. Yeah. Oh my God. Cry me a river, people. I'm Pitiful. just like- 
yeah, put our best minds on building a sidewalk that doesn't dis- or that doesn't get destroyed by roots, or I don't know, designing a city that allows for trees to grow. What about trying to change the culture? That's actually probably the hardest of all these options. Yeah, it feels like maybe maybe that's a case of like you design the city and then you tack on trees. It's at exactly the end what it is. Yeah, instead of like building the city with the trees. Exactly. So there's other options. We could go into this again. We'll we'll gloss over it for the time being. Yeah. But you know what? Maybe build the sidewalk so it kind of curves around. Maybe add a bunch of layer of a of structural soil and, and dig everything out. Rebuild the sidewalk and keep it there. And they're like, well, we're just going to have to do it another 10 years. And it's like, well, yeah, but we had these trees doing this good work for 10 years. Yeah. I don't know the situation. We only know there's a dot, dot, dot. Yes. So there might, we might read through that and they're like destroying everyone, everyone's houses. I don't know. Yeah. They could be, I don't know, raining poisonous, uh, yeah. goop onto Just, everything. Yeah, Is that possible? It's, you know what? We don't know what that ellipse is saying. Yeah. We don't know. It could be. Yeah. So anyway, there are other options. And if the neighbors are complaining and the city's moving too fast, it's probably because the city's moving too fast. And yeah. like, we made a decision. We have to stick with it. And cause cities are, they can't, they're just unable to say, you know what? You're right. We're wrong. We're going to do what you guys think. <laughs> yeah. It's I just, side with the people on this one. Yeah, I do too. I, I think I usually do. Well, that was This Week in Trees, a mixed bag of a segment. Yeah, yeah. We may do it again. <laughs> Maybe I'll prepare some things ahead of time so we don't run into paywalls. Do you know what I would really like? What? If all the listeners uh, want to be like, oh my God, we sh- we should cover this. Send us some articles that you think are either funny, interesting, or curious. Yeah. And then we can discuss them sometime and I can provide my very... Um, let's say superficial but very impassioned opinion about it yeah that sounds great loving it send them to our arbitrary pod.gmail account <laughs> casey uh let's move on to our completely arbitrary q a this week our question is from caroline lindquist or carolyn I, I hope it's one of those let's call her let's call her cl i like that hey caroline hi casey and alex first of all we love the podcast alex we're so sorry about solo passing he was a great producer Thank you so much. We are both first year landscape architecture students and are wondering what your go-to resources are for knowing how to, f- how far apart to plant different types of trees in cities or parks oh. for best chance of success. Casey, I thought this question was so interesting. That is a beautiful question. This is another like, uh, do you remember that question we got? For, I think his name was Joshua. And I was like, this is a question I would ask, which uh-huh. is why I chose it. Yeah. This is another question I would ask. Like, how do you even tell? We, we've talked about Arborvita being planted far too close together. Yes. And my a question, I guess I've always had in the back of my mind was, how do we know why? Like, how do you know when you're totally. planting these things? Um, That's yeah. a great question. Let's, let's, let's dig in. Um yeah, that. go for it. All right, so there are a bunch of resources. So first off, we can we've seen trees grow, and people have just measured them out. Like you just have a bur oak. I always use it because it usually kind of is a singular oak growing in the Great Plains a lot of times. Mm. Um, and all you got to do is just go see an old one that's been there for you know eighty years, and just take a measuring tape, hold it on the the stem, and walk out to see how far out it grow it it is. I'm like, oh, this tree grows thirty feet in this direction, thirty feet in that direction. It's sixty feet. So that's an option. Is so, that also, does that take into account the root systems? Not necessarily the root system. Okay. That's a completely different thing. That's um, not something you really think about at that uh, time? It sometimes does. We'll talk about both actually here real fast. Okay. 
So most people are, would be concerned, like for a park or something like they're talking about, or next to a road, um, how big is a tree going to get is kind of what the question ultimately comes down to. Okay. And so we have, we've measured it. We've known this. People have gone out and done this. I have a, a book, it's called The Architecture of Trees, and it's really beautiful. These two arch, or landscape architects literally drew a bunch of pencil drawings of these uh, really common trees. Um, I think they were Italian. So it's a lot of European trees and some North American Chinese trees, trees that would grow in that kind of latitude. Okay. Author on that? Um, I would have to look it up. I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah. It's called the architecture of trees. And what we did is, or what they did is they kind of give you all these, um, uh, these designs for landscape architects and their entire goal is to find a, um, basically give the landscape architect a, a resource that says, here's how big it's going to get. Here's how tall it's going to get. Here's the texture of the tree. Yeah. And here is the fall color of it. And here's the color of it, not only in fall, but this is the shade of green. This is the what it looks like in early spring and mid-spring and late spring, midsummer, late summer. All for the of purposes of designing like a vi- an aesthetic with yeah, your trees. exactly. Did you find that author? Yes, it is by uh, Leonardi and Stoggy. Yes. So basically, um, we figured it out. You have nursery folks that are growing trees and finding different cultivars, and they're trying to find ones that are skinnier or taller. Um, having said all that, if we know that it's generally a big tree, it's going to, you know, you plant it in an open arboretum and you do what's called a garden experiment where you plant 30 different trees in the same area, same soil, same rain. Everything's the same, except they're planted at different spacings between each other. Okay. Then you can say, okay, we've leave that tree to grow for 30 years. It gets this big. You leave that tree to grow for 30 years. It gets this big. And they, you can see these trees develop their whole architecture. You Mm. know what I mean? So we've done that and you can just look it up. You can look up nurseries. uh, You can talk to um, Arboreta. You can look at, any kind of book that says um, how tall it's going to get, they usually will also have uh, how wide, especially if you look at nurseries because people want these that specifications. Seems really important, yeah. Yeah, it, it's important, but also to pivot, it's not that important hmm. because trees are living things. They're not blocks where it's going to grow out and get 20 feet. If you plant it 15 feet away, it's going to mash itself up against whatever it's there. Yeah. It will grow. And if you have two trees that are, let's say they have 25 foot spreads. So basically 12 and a half feet in every direction on average, usually they take into consideration planting in an urban area where it's not the best, you know, Sometimes if it's a native tree versus not native, it'll grow bigger or smaller than its natural habitat. Or if you plant it in that little planter strip like we were talking about earlier, sometimes the soil is just so terrible. They, they just, it can't grow big and beautiful no matter what. I see. Um, so it's going to be a little bit smaller. So let's say you got these two 25-foot spread trees. You plant them at 25, a spacing of 25 feet. Theoretically, they're just, their branch tips are going to touch, right? But if you want this big closed canopy, squeeze them a little bit together. Once their canopies start to reach each other, they're no longer going to grow towards each other. They're going to grow out away and they're going to grow up. Exactly. Yeah. So once you put these two trees, just like in a forest, the trees are going to figure it out. It doesn't benefit them to mash into each other. Exactly. Because they're going to just shade they're each other compete out. It. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, not compete. Um, they're going to... Um, I mean, it is. It is competition for sure. Yeah. It's not the word I was looking for. Anyway, go ahead. You're totally right though. Competition in this instance would be a fair description for what they're doing. Um, But also, they do work together in that they are trying not to um, 
they will try to take over one another, but they're just trying to get more light. So it's not like one tree has it out for the other. It's not personal. Yeah, exactly. Um, meanwhile, if you have root space, it's kind of the same thing, but roots can intertwine and go over and around each other. If they're the same species, they'll actually graft together a lot of times. So um, root space, it actually is more like a cubic amount in the top two to three feet of soil. If you can get like five foot deep soil and you can make it, um, there's also like equations and it's really kind of like, I mean, it, it's there's no perfect science to it. Big tree, big soil. Little tree, less soil. Got it. Kind of like that. Cool. So you can just keep planting in there. So I would look at any um, any landscape architecture uh, or this. I'm sorry, the landscape, uh, the architecture of trees. trees. You can also take a look at um, any nursery that sells trees and say what are the mature heights and widths of this. They'll generally have those. Hmm. And um, generally speaking, most trees, unless it's like a uh, canyon live oak or something that's going to get like 70 feet across like they're just abnormally large usually they're between like 12 and 30 maybe 40 feet and i would say 25 20 foot spacing between 20 and 30 foot spacing almost anywhere is going to be pretty reasonable um but if you want to get big gorgeous trees that have like a full canopy in every direction you're going to have to space those trees out like almost 50 feet apart, hmm. you know? And then, um, if it's just the same, like you go to a, um, uh, old growth forest and you see these big, massive trees. If you were to measure the distance between these trees, it'd be like maybe 50 feet to the next tree. It's only because they have grown out 25 feet in each direction from each tree. So each tree is not growing really that big, 25 feet. But if you have two trees that are 25 feet wide, then they're going to be 50 feet apart. So if you want to get the biggest, most gorgeous big trees, plant them at big spacings, let them grow, give them 80 years. You want to have like a closed canopy forest, tighten that spacing up a little bit, but don't mash them in there like Arborvita where you're just, you're like, it's a dog hair thick kind of thing. Interesting. Nothing can grow. Cool. There you go. Well, there you go. Thank you so much for your question. And this one, this question was from... Uh, Ken, uh, Caroline and Kendra. Un, and Cricket the dog. And Cricket the dog. Hi, you guys. My my love to Cricket and both of you. Thank you so much for the question. Casey, uh, no, sorry. Listener, if you have a question for Casey about trees. <laughs> I, what, what if I had a question for listeners? Well, that's that could we could also make a segment out of that. All right, I'm going to come up with some questions. If you have a question about trees, please email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Arbitrary Pod. We have some pretty photos and things on there and some information. Check out our website for more additional readings on each episode, completelyarbitrary.com. Or and or join our Patreon. You can join the Arboretum for bonus episodes or the Cone of the Month Club for the bonus episodes and a monthly unique cone sticker designed by an independent artist. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Casey. Alex. I do want to say... I've been a little I've been a little irritated tonight. I hope it wasn't me. Well, no, when I'm irritated it's everything. Oh good, except you know? for the cedar of Lebanon. You gave that a 2.0. No, I even I mean the cedar of Lebanon's fine. I'm not irritated by it cuz it's not standing in front of me. I've only seen pictures <laughs> on my computer, you know. <laughs> uh, but thank you for being here. Thank you for tolerating my behavior. Always. You've been <laughs> such a delight. Are you kidding me? You're too hard on yourself, kid. Ah. Uh, no, maybe not. I mean, maybe. Hugs and kisses, Alex. Hugs and kisses, Casey. Thank you so much for listening to Completely Arbitrary. Until next time. Until next time. <laughs> I was like, what is he going to say? <laughs> I'm going to get on my camel and walk to the next next uh, oasis. Can we maybe take a submarine to our next country? Yeah. 
fight. We'd have to go through the Mediterranean. Yeah, that sounds fun. Whoa. Maybe we'll encounter a kraken. Oh! All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our production consultant is Olivia Frankie. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by the Mini Vandals. Thanks for listening. <laughs>